Thank you guys. Thankful for our choir and glad to see y'all back today and glad to see the cross behind them. Amen. It's good to see that thing uncovered and uh, be able to look at it and think of the Lord Jesus. A few announcements today as we get started. We've got a film crew in the room today that's arranged by our 150th anniversary committee. They're preparing a video uh, to commemorate God's faithfulness on our 150th anniversary, uh, a little less than a year from now. So if you see them roaming around, uh, that's what they're here for. Uh, and so don't be distracted by that. Also, they're considering Trey for the role of Maverick in the next Top Gun. And so um, <laughs> some test shots uh, for Trey today. But Anyway, um, glad you're here. Guests, usually I would have the chance to come out and meet you, uh, but because of baptism today, I haven't got to do that yet, and so uh, give me that chance if you would. Before you leave today, I'll be out on the front and love to say hi to you and just get to know who you are. Uh, if you have questions about the church, need information, you can stop at the New Here tent on the way out. Maybe you would think about filling out a Connect card for us. You don't have to do this, but these are available and they do help us, and so we're not going to harass you. I uh, just want to say thanks for being here today, and you can drop that in the offering baskets that are in each corner of this room uh, this morning. Thank you for coming. Our church loves you, and you bless us by being here today. We're going to take a turn in our preaching. We have concluded a series in Daniel, and now we're going to move to the book of the Revelation. Uh, we're going to do the first three chapters of Revelation and go over the introduction to that book and then the... Uh, first, uh, the seven letters to the churches at that time. Uh, these are letters from the Lord Jesus Christ himself through the Apostle John. Uh, Revelation is the last book in your Bible at the very back. So turn there if you would. Um, if you don't have a Bible today, these words will be on the screens. I can say it's plural now. And, uh, and then also if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have those for you on the table in the back. You can grab that, no cost to you at all. And so take that if you need it. We'd be delighted for you to have a Bible if you need one in your life. The Apostle John has been exiled to an island called Patmos, which is essentially an ugly pile of rocks. It's a punishment that he's undergoing for being a faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been dead for 60 years at this point. And so the Apostle John is in his late 70s, maybe into his 80s by now. And he, like uh, many other Christians, are facing fierce persecution. Uh, even the word persecution doesn't capture what they're experiencing. They're being kicked out of their jobs, estranged from their families. Some of them are being literally killed, their lives taken uh, for nothing other than professing the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so the persecution, the pain, the cost of following Jesus is extreme. And it's wearing them very thin. They're despairing. Uh, should we even do this anymore? Is this even worth it? I mean, the, the, the cost is so great. I brought uh, a little blanket here today. This is my son's blanket from when he was a baby. And uh, we call it Bookie. You may have heard about Bookie before, but, you know, uh, he's had a lot of use, and he is dear to us uh, in our family. Uh, but you see the holes here, right, and the little dangly things. Uh, this is how they felt. Their lives were worn thin. 
it, it felt like everything was, was coming apart, and it was all because they were followers of Jesus. And so the revelation is written to these seven churches as a book of hope, a book of promise of what is certain to come in the end. Uh, it's, It's a book to reassure them, and it's not only for those seven churches, it's also for the church for all time. And so this is for us today. And truly, probably, we have not even approached the level of persecution, the pain and cost of being a Christ follower that these folks had. Uh, But that time may come for you and me. And certainly already in the current generation, it is far different than in the previous generations to follow Jesus. There is a cost, and Jesus promises that you are safe and secure in his hands. And so we're going to look at this together today. This is a vision. The book of the Revelation is given in a vision and the word of revelation is actually the word apocalypsis. If you ever hear the word apocalypse, it comes from this word revelation. It means a revealing of hidden things. Uh, hidden things that are to come are shown in the apocalypsis or the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so let's read together beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll go down to verse 8 together. The revelation of Jesus Christ, so whose revelation is this? It's Jesus Christ's, this is from Jesus, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So he's, he's, John is the one that bears witness to, he's an eyewitness He saw these things happening. He's bearing witness to them and also to the vision, this testimony that Jesus is giving to him. Verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near and the time is still near. We are to think that way then and now. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne of God, this represents the Holy Spirit in his fullness. It's a reference back to Isaiah, the the seven powers or the seven roles or functions of the Holy Spirit of God are listed in Isaiah the prophet. And we find here the seven spirits or the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God is a source of this of this prophetic work as well. From him who is and who was and who is to come, that's God the Father. From the seven spirits who are before his throne, that's the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us and who has released us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, or so be it, or it is so. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was 
and who is to come, the Almighty. We need to understand this today uh, because it tells us who Jesus is. We're going to read this together and go through it together, but it really unpacks who the, what the identity of the Lord Jesus is. And when we understand who Jesus is, man, that, that impacts, it shapes our reality as believers. Do we believe the persecution? Do we believe the circumstances? Do we believe the lies? Do we believe the accusations? Or do we believe in and stake deeply our lives in who Jesus is? And he has four roles here I want us to look at together today. The first is this. Jesus is the source of their worth. Jesus is the source of our worth today. The Bible opens up with uh, this phrase, grace to you and peace to you from him who was and who is and who is to come. It matters who this message is from. It matters whose return address is on the letter, on the stamped envelope. And in fact, it is none other than the Lord himself. I've been getting text messages, as I do from time to time, from political candidates. Uh, Ron DeSantis, again, is texting me. Uh, from his home in Florida, right? Um, I get texts from uh, Melania, you know, you know who she is. I get texts from Mike Pence, you know. Uh, and I got one the other day from Donald Trump, again. He texts me from time to time, y'all, I'm serious. Um, <laughs> but here's what he said. The, uh, I'll tell you the last one I got from him, it, it said, Matthew, there's no doubt about it, you have betrayed President Trump. I thought, I didn't even know that, you know, I didn't. <laughs> This one, he's changed his mind. Donald said, he said, Matthew, you are the number one Republican in your city. All right? So I guess the cat's out of the bag, okay? I'm a Republican, but uh, more or less. Um, I didn't know I was the number one, though, right? It matters who something's from. I know that's not from the actual Ron DeSantis or any of those people, but it matters who something is from, who, who it is sent to you from. And in this case, it matters that the message, a message, a, a direct message is coming to them from the eternal God. How flattering is that? I mean, how reassuring and uplifting is that. And here's who the Bible says it is from here. The eternal God. Did you notice that? The one who was and who is and who is to come. He's everlasting. He's never not there. This is the eternal God who is sending them, who's sending you a letter this morning. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits. I mean, there's not a, a, a power of the Holy Spirit that is left out from you and your Christian walk. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit does that he's not still doing and giving and shaping in your life. The Holy Spirit is at work, and it is from Jesus, the Son of God, and he's described in three ways here. The faithful witness. That means he tells the truth. He tells the truth. Everything he says is truth, and he himself is the truth. Uh, Jesus is the truth. He's never lied to you, and, and when the cost is very high, you want to know, is this true? I mean, I'm, I'm staking my life on this. I may lose my family, my job. Uh, I may lose my life over this. Is this true? You better believe it. He is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. That means he's the source of eternal salvation. That means that day when Jesus 
got up from that tomb, when he raised to new life, when that stone became no barrier to him, the risen son of God, he was the firstborn. He was the first to break the ice, if you will, so that you and I can follow him into eternal life. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no resurrection for you and me, period. He is the firstborn of the dead. I bought a can of peanut butter today in case I get hungry up here. Uh, not really, but I wanted to show you this. If you ever open a, 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 a jar of this in your pantry and you feel that resistance right there at the top, you know what? It hasn't been opened yet, right? And you're going to be the one to face, to face this thing, right? And it's not an easy thing to do, right? If you're like me, the first thing you try is your teeth, right? Totally, it never works out. And once you start ripping it, oh, man, it worked perfectly. Uh, to, <laughs> Usually, once you start ripping it, it comes apart, right? And then you got stuff around the edges, and you think, should I go and get that, that extra paper around the edges or not, you know? You know, it would look nicer, but it actually works now, and you think, eh, I don't know. But anyway, it's a mess. Nobody wants to deal with that. But once it's open, guess what? It's open to everybody. Once Jesus Christ opened the grave, all who would believe in him have access to eternal life in heaven because the grave cannot hold any of us who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn, excuse me, the firstborn of the dead, the source of eternal salvation. There's no one else who's risen from the dead, and that means there's no one else who can give eternal life. That's not us being snobby. That's not us being exclusive. The Lord Jesus stands alone. And then finally, Jesus is the Son of God. He is Jesus, the Son of God, the ruler of kings on earth. That means Jesus is over all of them. He's over Benjamin Netanyahu this morning. Jesus is over Benjamin. He, he is enthroned over all the kings on earth for all time. He's over uh, the Ayatollah of Iran, Ayatollah Khomeini. Jesus reigns supreme even over him. He's over the Department of Driver's Services. When you go there and you face that lady, that man behind the window, right? You never know what's going to happen. Jesus knows. He's over that. He's over the chairman of your neighborhood association. He's over your boss at work. Jesus reigns supreme. If you're suffering, if you're like these folks in Revelation, you're suffering for your faith, there is strength in knowing that you're getting a letter. You are seen and cared for and known by Jesus, the Son of God. He's all these things, and he's never going away no matter what. When life has you weakened and beaten down, when you feel unqualified, uh, unable to go on, and sweet Abby, where is Abby right now? Raise your hand, Abby Cohn. Sweet Abby, I want you to know in your Christian walk, you're gonna find days that you feel unqualified and un unable to go on. You're gonna feel that way. You, the, the voice of your sin is gonna bark back at you again, and the accusations of Satan are gonna want to haunt you again, as they do all of us. And I want you to know, when that happens, when you don't even know if life is worth it anymore, I want you to remember uh, who it is that sees you, that cares for you, the one who saves you and keeps you. I want you to remember the power that holds you as his dear and blood-ransomed child is none other than Jesus, the risen Christ. What a power, what an access we have today. But secondly, Jesus is the giver of their identity. He's the giver of our 
identity this morning. These Christians had come to be known as fools. I mean, their reputations were shot. They were a byword. They were rejects and outcasts, deplorables, prisoners, exiles, unworthy. They felt degraded. And God sends them this reminder that that is not who they are. That is not their identity. They are who he says they are. They felt weak. And Jesus says, but I am strong. I was with some friends one night throwing toilet paper into the trees of another friend in high school. Um, as you sometimes do, or we did at least. And I was out there probably after midnight in the middle of the night doing this. And that's how you know if you're a friend, you know, you throw toilet paper in each other's yards. And we did that. And I turned around. I saw a guy coming out of the neighbor's house in pajamas, just shorts and a, 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 a T-shirt, sleeveless T-shirt, just sleepy and, and not quite awake. And I thought, let's get out of here, right? Let's go. He's coming. He's caught us. Next thing I turned around, he's right in front of me with a pistol in my chest and says, I'm a policeman, drop the toilet paper. Uh, I dropped it, buddy, right then. Sometimes you think somebody's weak and sleepy and pajama clad, but in fact, uh, they've got more power than you ever believed. And in this case, these people were feeling as if they were weakened. And Jesus said, no, 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 you've got access to me and I am more power than you have imagined I want you to know today that he is the one who has loved us and released us from our sins by his blood. He has made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. And he is the one who holds eternal glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I'm weak today. Lord, I can't measure up today. Lord, I can't find uh, uh, anything to ignite in my spirit today. Lord, I'm feeling forsaken. I'm feeling lost. I want you to remember, if you ever find yourself buying into who a lost world says you are as a follower of Jesus, if you ever find yourself believing in the accusing attacks of Satan or sinking under the guilt of sin, you remember that none of these voices say who you are. You are a child of the king. He has made you so, and that is irrevocable. He's the giver. He's the giver of their identity. He's the giver of your identity today. Thirdly, he's the vindicator of our faithfulness. Jesus is the vindicator of our faithfulness. Notice what God does next here. He addresses the injustice they were suffering under. Because not only are you sad when you're in the state that they were in, you're mad because the wicked are winning. The wicked are winning. The evil were prevailing the wrong were strong. And that's not just an ancient thing. We see that more and more. We see it all around us. The wicked seem to be winning. It's as if no one sees it. When is God going to do something? How, how come it is that it seems like the guiltless lose all the time? And those who are in strength are the ones who are doing wrong. And they seem to keep winning. Jesus reminds them in verse 7, I'm coming again. The Bible says, behold, he is coming with the clouds. Who's going to see him? Who's going to know it? Every eye is going to see him. Even those who pierced him, who's that? The Jewish people. Those who pierced him are going to see. Those who've rejected him for so long are going to be awakened that in fact Jesus is the Messiah, like the centurion at the cross that day who looked up and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Every eye is going to see the Lord Jesus when he returns. Even those who pierced him, all the tribes of the earth, and they will in fact wail on account of him. 
Those who have uh, rejected Jesus are going to wail on account of the fact that time is lost, the opportunity is over, that they have rejected the one and only king of glory, and now he returns as judge. Somebody told me last week about the Alabama and Tennessee football game. I don't watch much football, but I do try to keep up with it. I heard Georgia had a great day yesterday, and, uh, and I'm waiting for November whatever when Tennessee beats y'all for the first time. <coughs> they told me about the Tennessee-Alabama game, and thank you, Ralph. I think that was Ralph. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they said the Tennessee coach at the beginning of that game uh, had a, a play that maybe he had written and come up with, and the play was successful, and they drew first blood, and it was looking good. The Tennessee coach came on the field and just celebrated and, and almost just poked fun or uh, you know, mocked at the other coach and did a little facial thing to, uh, to put him down, and, and like an in-your-face type of a deal. They said in the second half of that game, Alabama came back and just, just ran over him, right? Vindication. That's what vindication is, right? You thought you had it. You thought you were on top. You rubbed it in my face. And all of a sudden, guess what? We're back, right? That's what the Lord is saying here. All these folks who were suffering injustice, all the powers of politics and media and everything is against you. And all of a sudden, one of these days, the Lord's going to break open the eastern sky and he is going to vindicate forever your faithful living. Those of you in the room today who are raising grandchildren and making sacrifices there to just sink your love deep into them, those of you uh, who, who have job situations that didn't turn out like you thought, the Lord is going to one day reward your faithfulness and vindicate what you've done. He's not going to let you be taunted by injustice forever. Here's what the Bible says about the return of the Lord Jesus. In Amos 5, it says this, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. <clears throat> is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, this is God speaking, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. They were, these were hypocrites. They thought they had figured out a formula of the mechanics of, of, of appeasing God. But there was no heart change. They would not let him in. They truly were not his. And the Lord Jesus speaks to them in this way. I hate your feasts. I despise your solemn assemblies. He says, take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Listen, the day of the Lord will be a vindication for those whose faith is in him. But for those who have refused and rejected the offer of the Lord Jesus that their sins might be covered by the blood of the cross to those who have said no to the one and only Savior, guess what? It is going to be a fearsome and a final day, period. Revelation 19, speaking of the return of Jesus in this vision, then I saw heaven opened 
And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. And in righteousness, he judges, judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Listen to this. He will tread out the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the one who is coming back, and for those who are in Christ, will say, yes, they were right all along. Yes, your suffering was worth it. Yes, you will be risen and elevated with me now. And friends, for a moment here today, if you are outside of Christ, if for some reason, some hesitation, uh, I don't even know what, if there is some reason you have not said yes to bringing your life under the loving sacrifice of Jesus who gave his life as a sinner so that you could day, today have the life of his righteousness before God. Wouldn't you do it? Please be saved. We plead with you, be reconciled to God. And when you could not do it, I promise you that Jesus did it all the way. We'll help you with that. Come to Jesus. The day of the Lord is not something to be trifled with. The wicked will not win forever. The wrong will not always be strong. Those who suffer because of the name of Jesus will not always have to squirm under the boots of evil. Jesus is coming back. And he won't come back like the little Jesus that was on the Sunday school board when you were kids. The little meek and mild Jesus in the, in the coloring book. He's returning to set things right. This is the one who holds you and will never let you go. But lastly... Jesus is the securer of their destiny. He's the securer of our destiny today. He tells them this final assurance. Who is it that speaks these things? I mean, you need to know who it is who, who's saying this, who, who guarantees it. He shares three ways, three aspects of himself to assure these Christians that their eternal life, their eternal future is secure in him. The first thing is this. He is everything. He is Alpha and Omega those are the first and final letters of the Greek alphabet. Alpha is like our A, Omega is like our Z. He is A to Z. He is Alpha and Omega. He is everything. He possesses everything, all power, all strength, all awareness. Uh, he, he, there's nothing he needs and there's nothing you need that he doesn't have. He's everything. He is always. He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. Listen, he's never going to give out. The warranty's never going to expire. The guarantee's not going to go away. You'll never have to wonder, well, did Jesus have the best of intentions? I know he wanted to deliver me. I mean, I know his heart was true, but is there ever a chance that something's going to happen to him that he just couldn't hold up his end of the bargain? No way. He's the one who was and who is and who is to come. He has secured it all, I mean, completely. In time immemorial and, and, and time in the future, Jesus Christ is a living Savior. 
And lastly, he's supreme. I love this word. He is the what? Almighty. The Almighty. The word in the Greek is uh, really instructive. It is pan-kratos. Uh, the word kratos means ruler. It's like democrat, autocrat, you know, aristocrat. Uh, it's someone in power by virtue of a certain thing. A democrat, so to speak, is someone who's in power, kratos. They're in power because of the demography, the, the demos, the people. They're the, the power of the people. And in this case, that word is used, kratos here. The first part of the word is pan. That means all. You ever used a panoramic setting on your camera? You think, well, I can't get the whole Grand Canyon in here on my camera. So I'll just set it to what? The panoramic setting, right? Panoramic, it gets everything. Do you remember what we had a few years ago? A pan what? Pandemic. It's one thing to be an epidemic, right? It's another thing to be a pandemic. It goes everywhere, global. And <clears throat> that's what the word is here for almighty, pankratos. His power, his rule, his kratos is where? Pan. It is everywhere. There is nothing lacking in Jesus. He is supreme over all things. I went to Burger King the other day and <coughs> ordered a Whopper. It came, and right in the middle was a little mark of ketchup there. Right on top of the ketchup was a little pickle. Right on top of the pickle was a tiny bit of onion, right? I don't know about you, but I want that stuff spread all over my Whopper, right? I don't want to just, I don't want just my last final bite to taste good. I want the whole thing to taste good. I thought, man, I want to show you, just take a minute longer and just spread that ketchup out a little, a little more. The Lord Jesus is never going to leave you in life or in eternity wishing that somehow his strength was greater, that he could have spread better into the places of your life that you need him most. The Lord Jesus is Pankratos. He is supreme. He is the one almighty God. And Revelation is written so that you might know that none of the promises of God to you will be lost ever. They're never going to be lost. He's Pankratos. He's, 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 the, he's, the, he's the almighty God. No matter what things look like around you, you have put your faith in the right place because this God never fails. And if you're hurting like they were hurting, if for some reason your life is worn with holes in it, it's frayed apart, it definitely does not look like what you set out for things to be. I want you to know God has not left you alone. And today he is with you. And one day with certainty, everything's going to be set right. What is empty is going to be made full again. The Lord Jesus holds you in his hand and he is not going to lose you. Are you living are you living today with, the, with this knowledge or is your life somehow fallen beneath what Jesus wants you to know about himself? Are you walking less than not knowing that Jesus is faithful and true, that he has your back, that he won't leave you? God does not want you living in defeat. He doesn't want us living in defeat when such promises and victory belong to you in him. Do you want to take hold of the life 
that Jesus intends for his redeemed today. It's not too late to do that. If you're outside of Christ, you walk this aisle in a moment, take my hand. I'll be happy to stand with you and celebrate with you and walk you into the presence of the Lord together. We'll do that together. I'll be happy to do that. And today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you know that your life is more like this than it is what we've heard today, then wouldn't you go to God and say, Lord, help me to walk in the light of the truth knowing who you are. He'll do it. Let me pray for us.